This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. My name is Ray Park. You may know me as playing Dolphin in the Phantom Menace, Bone Wars, and also Solo and Star Wars Story. You're listening to Star Wars Stuff Podcast, the force is strong with you all. And remember... Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, letting you all know you are listening to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Wishing everybody all the best, and may the Force be with you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. My name is David. And my name is James. And this is where we talk all things Star Wars. And James, how are you today? I am great. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing okay here. Doing great? Yeah. Yeah. Anything special happen today for you? Uh, I'm getting the podcast. So there you go. That's, hey, me that's too. pretty special. Uh, but, I, got to, um, I got to go to Galaxy's Edge today and eat popcorn. Just want to say that. And it might be a part of a video that I'm going to be putting on Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, we got some shout outs right here. So go for it, David. Yes, we certainly do. For the purple tier, I just want to shout out uh, these huge supporters. Chris Simpson, Kevin Langer, Devin McCaffrey, Drew Peters. For the red tier, Liam McCallion, Fenrir526, Matt Heath, Maya Morris. On the black tier, Maka Tawatala, Nathan Shank, and Evan Opaker. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and keeping the show running. And all your messages, all your encouragement, uh, communicating with you guys through Discord, it's it's pretty cool. And one of our $66 tier black Kyber Crystal patrons had a birthday recently. And we just want to say happy birthday to Nathan Shank. He's been there pretty much since the beginning. So, since the beginning, yeah. I remember seeing Nathan's name very, very long time ago. So thank you yeah. so much. And happy birthday, by the way. Yeah, happy, happy birthday, birthday, Nathan. Your stuff is in the mail. So, Ooh, that's exciting. We're not going to say what it is. That's just for him. So he's got to get some. Yeah, he already knows what it is. Oh, okay. He knows what it is. Right. It's, it's the stuff we promise that tier that you will mm. get. Um all of our backlog merch that we have. I don't think he got a set of, of the pins, the, the coin and the stickers. I believe I mailed that off uh, a few days ago. So nice. So he should, yeah, be, he should be getting that soon. Oh, what's, so. what's good. Y'all. Hey, what's up? Maka. Thank you for, for watching. If I said your name wrong, I apologize. 100%. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm really sorry. So what's up? How are you? Thank you for joining us. Um, but yeah, like I said, today I went to Galaxy's Edge just for a little bit. It was a little quick visit. Um, got some really delicious popcorn. And I got a I got a really cool popcorn holder. But I'm not going to show you. Like I said, it's 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 just for the patrons. Uh, I, I recorded it, us getting this thing. It was really, really cool. And I'm going to go back again on Tuesday and get more footage and put it all together and release it on Patreon. Nice. So. Yeah, your Galaxy's Edge Adventures video is pretty good, James. Thank you. Thank you very much. I have a I lot was of- like, this guy, yeah, this guy's an editor because you put that together really well. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was entertaining for me. You going through Galaxy's Edge, and it was like super high quality too. So that was that was really good. Grazie, grazie. <laughs> but um, but anyways, hey yo, David. Hello, James. Hope you all had a good day. Oh, thank you, thank you, Toasty Waffles. We oh, we a, Toasty Waffles. What's up, man? We we had a pretty good day today, and but now it, it just got better. It just got really good. You know why? Because we're about to podcast right now. So 
are we going to talk about it in order, like uh, what, what, like the subjects that we're going to go on, or what? what no, we're not, James. I'm going to throw a Uh-oh. curveball for you. Oh, what you got? So, it's a somber note. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, but I did want to recognize these people because these people did have a pretty huge impact in my life. They had a huge impact in pop culture, and the first person I do want to recognize is the great Nichelle Nichols. So, of course. Mm-hmm. She she played Uhura, Lieutenant Uhura, on the bridge. She was part of the original cast of Star Trek. And, of course, we're a Star Wars stuff podcast, and this is Star Trek. But I was born in the Star Trek family as well. Mm. Uh, I was born in the Star Wars, and I was also born in the sports. We're a huge family on those subjects. And, yeah, she was a huge trailblazer for what she did in that original show, was groundbreaking it had never been seen before and she's she's one of the pioneers of being a minority on tv and to be in a science fiction role and the thing that the brilliant foresight that gene roddenberry the creator of star trek had was the fact that yeah there is not going to be any type of racial or gender discrimination in the future so that whole aspect, which was kind of kind of a sub kind of through line through our culture in our society, especially in the States, wasn't going to exist in the future. And it was awesome for us that we talk about the Lucas foresight. Roddenberry had it, too. And mm, um, she portrayed one of the most iconic characters in science fiction. And I didn't have the pleasure of meeting her, uh, but a lot of friends that I have mm. have met her, and they said she was awesome at conventions. Yeah, and, a lot of my friends I know also met her as well, and they said the exact same thing. She was she was awesome. Yeah, and yeah, she was. They said she was very delightful. Yeah, she loved the fans, and I, I, the thing for me now is. I mean, I think about these like signings and photo ops, and I don't really want to pursue them um, because they sometimes I mean, the money can add up, you know, and mm-hmm. it's it's tough to travel to the convention and then pay for the ticket and then pay for your food and everything. It all adds up. But now slowly, I mean, I'm starting to see that whole kind of thing happen where we're starting to lose all of our icons you know and i'm i'm glad that i met ewan at the point that i did but now i'm kind of looking back at back at past celebrations and thinking man i should have got that mark hamill autograph and photo op i should have got that photo op and an autograph with ian mcdermott i mean it's a tough situation but i mean i did run into him at the at oga's cantina so but um it's just one of those things that she she's an icon. I mean, she means so much to many generations of young women and just science fiction fans in general. And um, her legacy will live long and prosper for mm-hmm. sure. And another huge icon we lost today, not in the science fiction, fantasy, TV, film realm, Um but a huge icon for me, nonetheless. When I was older, 
I came to respect him more and realize what he actually went through. And I want to talk a little bit about Bill Russell. Um, he won he won 11 championships. And I know this is basketball, but I mean, he is the epitome of teamwork and the stuff that he went through. If you read Bill Simmons' book, it might be on Audible, but it details a lot of stuff that he had to go through through, through the 50s and 60s. And he also passed today. And I just want to recognize him as well. And mm. if you guys don't know, the Boston Celtics have won I think they're one championship less than the Lakers, but they have won. They had won so many championships in sh- such a short amount of time. And for him to um, to go through what he went through in our society, um, he was one of the big civil rights activists. And I just, I just want to recognize him. And yeah, he, he passed today as well. And a third person, actually, that had um, not so much an impact, but she was there um, for my childhood. I can still, one of my core memories, I want to say, when I was younger, I came home. I was in elementary school. This was in the early 90s, I believe. I came home from school, and I had mentioned to my parents, and I was really big into Disney, so any one of the Disney films that were coming out, they knew that I was going to have an interest. So I can, man, it's so vivid. It's a core memory. I remember getting off the bus, going through the front door, and we had a big screen projection TV. And my dad had put the VHS in the VCR, and he had hit play as soon as I got off the bus. <laughs> and I was, before I could say, where is <laughs> <laughs> the little mermaid was playing on mm-hmm. on our big screen so yeah i just want to recognize pat carroll the voice actress for ursula and i the, that's the first actual hotel if you're watching us on youtube that's the first hotel that my family and i stayed at i believe that's art of animation and mm-hmm. i mean she was the voice of ursula and at that time before internet and before social media of course Ursula was kind of a big deal. I mean, it it was a brand new character that was like on the scene and she was imitated and copied. And I know in my family, she was kind of a big deal. So Mm. yeah, I just want to recognize Pat Carroll. So yeah, this year, I know it's a somber beginning, but yeah, this year has been kind of, kind of, kind of difficult, kind of weird. A lot of these amazing uh, icons are, are, are are leaving us this year. And it's, um, I remember, I know off topic, but starting celebrations, some guy, I didn't even know this guy walked up to me right when celebration began. And he's like, Do you hear that Ray Liotta died? I was like, What? And I was like, oh, Nice to meet you too. What? And then like, he told me, like, it was month, it was that that opening day of celebration. The guy just tells me that right right away. And I'm like, Man, yeah. that's, I don't want to start my day off like that. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of people. But yeah, um, it's just. Yeah, we've hit that certain point in fandom where we're losing a lot of of stars that we grew up with, kind of watching on TV and and at at the cinema. So, yeah, unfortunately, I mean that's just that's just life. Mm. But yeah. yeah, these are three people that that had an impact, and yeah, I just wanted to talk about them up top and and just make sure that we we recognize those people, but. 
on a much happier and amazing yes, note. So the big documentary dropped light and magic and yes. oh my God, it is fantastic. Terrific. Great. The stuff of dreams, something Master that should have been done years ago. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And it's, and um, I was fortunate enough to go and see this panel. I know I mentioned it before. I got to see this panel at star Wars celebration this past year. And um, uh, unfortunately, Lawrence Kazdan couldn't be there because he got sick that morning. Mm-hmm. So he, he 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 joined via Zoom. He and, was the director, right? Yeah, yeah. He directed. He he did all the interviews and he directed the the documentary. Um, but it was one of those and one of those things that he also said was, you know, this was something that should have been done a long time ago. Mm. You know, and it's one of those things that, you know, he he's been with ILM since the eighties. You know, so he was there. He saw Indiana Jones, the you know Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark. He saw Empire you know, return of the Jedi. And he himself became a pretty successful director and he worked with ILM as well. And it was just one of those things that he one day was like, you know, they all have a story here too. Like there's, there's something here with, with how they did this, with how they created it. And so, yeah, he went out and he interviewed, you know, these, these legends. If you look on the screen right here, you got Dennis Murin, you got Phil Tippett, you got Joe Johnston and you got Ron Howard and you have the, the current uh, uh, CEO of ILM over here on the far right on the far left, I think she was one of the um, one of the beginning. Um, she started off, she said, as a secretary, but then she ended up being like a huge part of ILM at the beginning. Yeah. And um, I'm going to say that this is this. I, I was interested in just just open mouth the whole time of this documentary because it's so yeah. it's so interesting and it's yes. so great. And before before I let you begin about your review of it, the one thing that J.J. Abrams <laughs> said that I was like, that's so true. He said, you know, it's with some of these movies, some of these things, it's like the Lizard of Oz. You know, you look at it, you're like, oh, but then when you rip, rip across, you know, rip away the curtain, you see how it's done. Then you're like, oh, OK. And the magic is gone. He says, but with ILM, you rip away the curtain and how they did it is even more fascinating with how it looks on screen. And it's so 100 percent true. So so what did you think about this? This documentary? Like I said, it was fantastic it's a it's a stuff of dreams um there's a certain point in my life where i was like i'm gonna work doing cgi stuff i don't care what i have to do to do it i want to try and work for ilm and these were the people that i kind of idolized i knew about dennis mirren i knew about phil tippett um but of course the internet didn't exist back then so it was kind of hard to find out more unless you look at like Cineflix and stuff like that, which I tried to um, at my local Hastings, which don't exist anymore. But of course, now we have the internet. And once we got the internet, the prequels became a thing. So I got involved with that, doing research on all that. Um, but it's incredible stuff, man. There's there's a lot of... I know they're, they're not characters, they're real people, but you meet a lot of people that were super influential that I don't think a lot of people knew um, particularly about. I, I know the whole uh, John Dykstra kind of story, mm-hmm. uh, but this documentary really brought his story to light. And they simply kind of laid out how he wasn't invited on Empire Strikes Back to continue to work on. Um but it's it's super interesting that the origin stories of Dennis Murin and Phil Tippett. I, know, I really man, love like, that. Um, 
to see young yeah yeah they started super young they all met in this guy's like house is like a mansion where he he was basically the spark I, i forget his name but there was a guy that lived very close by that his like three story house was covered in just movie props and memorabilia some of the old kong like maquettes and like skeletal um stop motion puppets were there and of course that stuff's like worth like thousands if not millions really um and priceless to a lot of people um but yeah the origin story for mirin and tippet was was super interesting entertaining and there's a great autobiography on steve jobs and by walter isaacson that kind of details not it's in more detail but it's kind of along the same lines as light and magic i know they don't concentrate on a specific person but you kind of get a sense of of how the the genesis of ilm started came to be and how it grew and it's kind of a lot like our podcast. Like I knew you, then I knew Colin. You didn't know Colin. So, and I said, hey, Colin could do this. He can be our producer. He can help us out. He can be on the podcast sometimes. Then you're like, okay. Then we go to Chicago. You didn't know Colin. You were like apprehensive at staying I with us. apprehensive. <laughs> you and Joseph. And and then it comes to be like, you're, you're like loving Colin. You're like, oh, this guy's like fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> And and then Colin led us to Ray, and then of course he married Brooke, and of course Matt, and then Josh, and then Mason, then Mason led us to Zach. I mean, it's, it's and, and and you know we say that, and when you think of these guys who who did the first Star Wars, who did a New Hope, you know, in my mind, I always thought these guys were in the biz already, and that's why mm-hmm. George Lucas got them you realize a lot of them were not in the biz because there was no biz. They were literally the first ones to do this. And what, what was really interesting to me was how Dennis Muren said visual special effects for movies were done at that point. Like they, like this, the, the old timers couldn't figure out how it was going to evolve. Mm. And which I thought was crazy. And to the point where they were even using those old cameras on star wars and repurposing them to do to achieve the the special effects that they had to do and i'm not gonna lie like i i growing up i knew they had models and and i know the 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 camera the motion um, passes yeah motion yeah i knew that motion control I, i never knew that they legit layered all the footage on top of each other and then like like i don't know like smash it together and they had a the camera that took a picture of each frame and that was the frame from the movie and then i'm like what like they that blows me away that's the shots of the x-wings flying the tie fighters like that is how they did it and it just blows me away and then you know thinking now you're like oh yeah you just digitally put some stars in the background you just do this and you you tell the computer where you want the ship and the ship goes there and nah, i man, they were they were doing this all like just just i guess raw pretty much you know just they i mean and one thing i love is that they they legit had no idea how to do it but that didn't stop them they were like oh we're gonna figure it out we'll we'll figure it out we'll see how this goes yeah that's that's a legacy of george lucas and ilm that i really 
try and kind of lead my life by it's and and my day job my day job i'm presented with things that i don't know what they're talking about and i just got to figure it out i mean that's that's what you got to do you got to find solutions that's really what life is all about because unless you're born into a certain family nothing's going to be handed to you you got to figure it out man i mean and, and, uh, you're going to run into obstacles i mean you got to problem solve that's that's the only way to do it really and and these guys were the ultimate problem solvers for these for the first three Star Wars movies. I mean, they the way they 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 were like my favorite piece of trivia was how um oh what's his name Robert what's his name the the one of the head uh, Edlin Edlin yeah Robert Ed, uh, how I think it's said, Richard Edlin Richard Edlin I apologize yeah. Richard Edlin how he said um they that he couldn't get the camera back far enough to do the falcon flying out of frame during the uh, the hyperspace jump and so what he did was he took a picture of it a little small picture and he put the camera here and then he shot back really 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 fast and it made it look like the he was like and that's the shot he was like it's a picture of the millennium falcon and he goes and people cheered it's a Polaroid picture <laughs> of the millennium falcon that i put there and i just shot my camera back really really fast and that's says, beautiful man I I I you don't I, get I, you don't get better than that. Yeah, I remember I looked at my wife. I was like, "That's how they did like <laughs> shot. Like that's the iconic shot of the shooting off." And it was just a Polaroid picture he took, and it was like, "What?" And then and what what was so eye eye opening for me was how the digital technology was slowly coming in, and then you have these old timers. I mean, not old timers, but the people who worked on the OG Star Wars and they had the, they did the, the, the you know, the Dijkstra cam, they, all that stuff. That was how they knew how to make movies. They didn't believe in the computers and the digital technology. I never knew that that was a, that was a thing. It was like, yeah, they, they, they did not like each other because they were like, oh, no, that's not the way you do it. But the digital technology was there. And, and what's so crazy, this documentary really shows how much George Lucas was pushing that, how much he would say, like, this is the way to make movies is so old. It's so stupid how you have to make these movies. <laughs> and he's like, why can't we just do this? And, and his whole thing yeah. was, I don't know how to do it, but I could find a bunch of people who could figure it out. And that's how he did it was he just he was like, OK, you're you're a college student who just developed this crazy thing uh you're coming in you're i'm gonna yeah, i need you here to do this oh you're this guy i need you to come in here and do this and they ended up developing digital technology digital um effects and then before you knew it the what was it the abyss it was the abyss terminator 2 and yeah. then once jurassic park that was it it was done like they were like oh this is going to be like a a 10 year in the future this is how we're going to be making movies and then when jurassic park hit they were like oh it's already here like we 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 got there it's it's done <laughs> like the digital the digital age and the digital effects ha- are here and nothing's going to stop it now i love that segment with kathy kennedy talking about how they were in that screening room and they were waiting to see what ilm was going to give them with the kind of the proof of concept of the t-rex mm-hmm. walking in daylight and of course, that day was the day that changed everything for those executives. And I love the fact that she said once they saw that T-Rex walk across the screen, they all stood up like, oh, my God, this, this is the, the way eventually. Yeah. And um, 
I love that story. I've, I've, we've talked about it before, and I've heard it before, where they, where they tricked Kathleen Kennedy and Dennis Murin with the effect of the T Rex walking, and she was just like, "We got to do something with it." Like, and Dennis Murin was so apprehensive, and I love that he said, "I took a still picture in broad daylight with shadows and sunlight," and I was like, "Okay, this is the hardest test we can do for this T Rex. If the T Rex works in this, then we're good." And the T-Rex worked, man. That thing comes, that thing's walking and you're like, whoa. And, and that's crazy to think that that was it. And then the documentary ends pretty much there because that was really it. Once Jurassic Park hit, movies and everything changed after that. Like it was all everything. And like even George Lucas said after that, he goes, oh, I can do the prequels now. Like yeah. I can do this. I can totally do all this now. And yeah, I, Jurassic Park is a touch point movie. And for me personally, that summer was massive. I mean, Jurassic Park stuff was everywhere. Everyone was excited. It was the height of like the dinosaur craze. All the kids were playing with dinosaurs. All the museums around us were having dinosaur exhibits. It was all over like PBS and there's documentaries, the Discovery Channel. I mean, it was all about dinosaurs. And Jurassic Park is what sparked all that stuff back up. And what's what's also interesting, what, what they documented was Phil Tippett had mm-hmm. a huge role in it at the beginning to do all the stop motion for all the dinosaurs. And then, of course, when they did the whole proof of concept thing with with computer graphics and it wasn't like, oh, let's just punch up a T-Rex on the screen and have it done. No, they spent months and months and months of doing textures and movements for every single dinosaur. It took a while for them. They could do the shots, but the time that it took to actually render everything and put it all together and make it look realistic. And to it's, paint um, it too. Like that was another yeah. thing. They had to paint that stuff on there. They had to paint the texture on the on the T Rex and everything. Yeah. And then poor, like you were saying, poor Phil Tippett was about to begin his his production like that that was about to start um and then that's when they were like you know this is how we're gonna do it and steve spielberg was like this is how we're gonna this is how we're gonna make jurassic park and but he told phil tippett like you you know how these things work you know how they move so i need you to help the visual effects to make it believable and so phil tippett became if you look on the, the poster phil tippett is um well, I forget what he's credited as, like dinosaur movement director. Like he became the yeah. like like the person who yeah knew he knew how animals moved. So I mean, yeah. he was a valuable resource and someone that could help. And um, and I I think that's really great. And then there's even that shot. And I've seen that shot before where he's pretty much showing Spielberg how the T Rex is going to move and throw the raptor at the very end of the movie. And he's like, okay, he's going to no, he's going to grab it, he's going to turn his head, and he's going to throw it like this. And, yeah, Spielberg's like, okay, okay, cool, and you're like, I mean, he was there directing that scene pretty much, you know. Um, uh, I thought only there, never PBS, but um, but it was, it was it, like that was that was really that was really great. And Phil Tippett's still going. Um, I'm pretty sure, um, if they ever need any help, he's there to help them. Dennis Murin also. I mean, these guys are just just icons when it comes to the visual effects world, and um. I know we say Jurassic Park changed everything. And Jurassic Park did change everything because that was when Stanley Kubrick wanted to shoot artificial intelligence. That movie AI was when he was like, sorry to interrupt James. But... 
All right, I think we're about to use a, lose a lot of uh, viewers right here. Uh, it says written and directed by Ryan Johnson. That is what my shirt says. <laughs> Show it uh, to us, James. I can point it down a little bit. Not my shirt here. Written and directed by Ryan Johnson. That is my shirt. I and like mine this shirt. says. Oh, I like that <laughs> one. Okay, David wins the shirt prize here. But um, back to Light and Magic. Watch it. It's so good. Um, they have good clips and how they did some of the, the the magic for some of these movies. There's even like one or two shots from A New Hope I've never seen before, which I was like, and we talk about that all the time on the podcast. I was like, where are the like? There's a shot of a Justin <laughs> Raider on a Bantha, and I'm watching, looking at that footage, going, I've never like I've never seen that shot ever, and I've been watching all of these behind the scenes stuff of Star Wars since I was a kid never seen that shot before so isn't like, that wild how we have that rolodex in our mind of like visuals <laughs> from star wars that we we know we've never seen it before yeah and we there were several shots in here and like i was like wait wait so yeah <laughs> and what i really liked about this and um it was the the visual effects the special effects they showed was all the original footage like it was all the original trilogy footage it wasn't a special edition footage and so i thought that was really really cool that they did show the shots of how they originally were filmed back in the day. And of yeah. course the controversial thing, George Lucas completely digital, you know, doing digital with a special edition, but I thought it was really cool that they, they, they were able to show that, that this is, this is how it looked. This is how it looked back in 1977. And um, it's a great documentary. It's so great. Yeah. Look at that. Dennis Murin. When he had hair, <laughs> when he had hair, <laughs> he looks younger now than he did like in the early nineties. I don't know how he did that. Like, <laughs> he shaved you know, his head. He shaved his head. That's all that took. Is he shaved yeah. his head? He was also uh, he had a cameo in a Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark. And if you know where that cameo is, you're awesome. I'm just gonna say that. Um, but yeah, yeah. And we also got an origin story of Doug Chang. Yeah, one of our favorites from the prequels. And he's he's also a legend. Like. And we and David and I found out that he is the vice president of Lucasfilm, not That's vice incredible, president man. of design, which I thought it was. But no, he is the vice president of Lucasfilm. And um, yeah, he yeah. needs a podcast. He's so well spoken and the, he's so well versed in the English language. If you go to Celebration, he has a panel attended. You will not regret it. Yeah, we you and I got to see him and he was like like 10 feet. 15 feet away from us at, at Chicago. Like we were walking in and we just kept walking and all oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, David and I walked into the auditorium and we just kept walking forward and we we're like, let's just keep going, keep going. Like, you know, no one's going to stop us. And we sat like in the very front row. Yeah. We sat and, in the front row off to the left and I was just waiting. Cause it was, it wasn't your first celebration, but you hadn't been to a been to panel yet. Yeah. And, and I uh, knew it was going to rock, man. And I was like, this is going to be rad. And yeah, it did not disappoint. You talked about design. You talked about the prequels. I mean, just so much information. Like the per second information he was just dropping on everyone's head was just incredible. And, 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 and he just part. like flowed through it, man. Yes. Like it was like the back of his hand. Like it was just like, this is that. And that is this. That's how he came up with this. I did the research for that. And it was just like, oh my gosh! It's, and then it's the like work- I'm back at work, but it, we're just talking about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, and, and and like I said, it was just so interesting when he was like, "Okay, guys, it's, I I, I got to end," and it was like, "Really? Like you got to stop already?" 
Can you imagine? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Tosi Wong. All right. Appreciate that. Um, could you imagine Dennis Murin, Phil Tippett, Doug Chang, and Joe Johnson having a podcast? Like, just hearing them talk about yeah. how they did stuff. Like, yeah. Like, I would, I, I would, man, that would be so great. Yeah. It, it would be must listen to <laughs> listening for, for Star Wars fans and even film fans. I mean, these guys are the originals. These, these guys kicked it all off. They kicked, mm-hmm. they, I mean, we went from, from doing, I mean, just pictures on the whole. What's it called, James? The uh, zoo, is it zoetrope? Yeah. And then we went from that to black and white, and then to color finally, and then the next big leap was ILM and the effects that they were doing with blue screen, motion control. I mean, it's 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 all history now, and it's it's some of the most important cinematic in history in our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, like we said at the beginning, this documentary is something that probably should have come out a while back, but I think we're glad it came out now. And I'm glad, I think we're all glad that it's on Disney plus. We can access it easily and just and it, have it play. And it's all there. That was one thing that was shocking. I thought they're going to release it one week at a time, but it's all yeah. there for you. So just, just, just click on it and go. Yeah. I will say one more thing before we move on. My Jurassic Park experience was I can, I didn't get a chance to watch it in theaters. My parents read that it was going to be too scary for children. Same here, man. So, I they did not let me go. I tried so hard. We begged. My my brother and I begged, and my parents were like, no. And then there was a birthday party happening. Um, like when the VHS had just come out, there was a birthday party happening next to us and we got invited and the big finale of this birthday party was we were all going to watch jurassic park and so uh, brother and i run home you're like forget like, the party put the tape yeah. in <laughs> i run home and i look at her begging my mom like mom please please let us please let us watch and she says okay so we ran across we ran over there to the house they waited for us my brother and i to get there and the whole party was just waiting for my brother and i to come in we sat in the very front like inches from the tv and the movie started and when you see the Brachiosaurus, I remember I my mouth just dropped because I I thought that was a real dinosaur. Like I okay, I knew it wasn't real, but I thought they built this giant thing and it was walking and it was there. And then the T Rex came out. I was, and then the very end, you're like, who's what's gonna happen? The Raptors. And then the T Rex saves the day. I was like, like this is the best. This is the greatest. Like this is just. I had best. friends telling me I just saw Jurassic Park in IMAX, and I'm like. I hate you, <laughs> but don't, now don't even talk to me. But unfortunately, I will say that the 4K, um, uh, uh, 4K upscale is not good. They the the effects are a lot more obvious, mm. and it's a little it's a little sad. But it's nice to have that memory when I first watched it and thinking like this is real. Like there's no way this is fake at all. And um, yeah, so like I said, watch Light and Magic. It's amazing. Do it. Okay. <laughs> Enough about that. I'll, I'll, well, no, I'll pick oh, back on what you said. So, what? Another one of my core memories is going to HEB to the Video oh. Central, a video rental place. It's a, it's if you don't know HEB, it's a big grocery store, and it used to have a video, a VHS video spot where, um, <laughs> oh, where I would always rent Empire Strikes Back for some reason because our tape was like ruined or something at some point. But I remember they had a monitor, a CRT monitor. At the front desk, and the day Jurassic Park came out, I was there because I hadn't seen it yet, and they had it playing on the monitor, and I just couldn't look away. I'm like, Ugh. it was at the point where they enter the actual facility, and you see the Mr. DNA, 
Mm. And it was that. And I'm like, they're not showing any dinosaurs. What's up? And then yeah. I started watching the whole kind of presentation for Mr. DNA. And um, we rented the movie and got out of there. And I'm like, yeah, I got to see this. And of mm. course, it was great. And I did fulfill that fantasy of going to the theater to watch it in IMAX. I did it at Barton Creek in Austin. Nice. So I was able to take my family. We did it because they re-released it about like four or five years ago. Uh, so, yeah. I yeah. saw it in uh, IMAX 3D um, when they re-released Because it was during the whole 3D phase, too. I can't remember That's... if it was in 3D or not. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But but it was it was pretty cool. It was really It was like... Again, like you, it was me finally going like, okay, I get to watch Jurassic Park in theaters. Like I was like 20, 23, 24 years old. I was like, oh my God, I get to do it finally. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's that, that stuff fascinates me. So I'm really glad it's there. Yeah. And ILM is responsible for so much there. I mean, you see pirates, you see transformers, uh, animation and Rango. Uh, I mean, just so, so much. And minority report. <laughs> yeah, minority Wild Wild West. I don't know. I think that's in the top left. <laughs> and then uh <laughs> the most ferocious animal in the animal kingdom. And then um what else? Twister. Avatar. Uh they did a few shots for Avatar. It still uh, counts, James. It still counts. They the did Hulk. they did one shot for Titanic and it's it's this you know cuz James Cameron went with digital domain. But there's one shot in Titanic. Doesn't, that he, he, doesn't he like own a piece of it? Yeah, or owns all he, of it. Okay. He he founded a little bit of a digital domain, um, but it's just this one shot. He said we couldn't do it. He goes, the only people I know who could do it was ILM. So they they created this. They were able to blend this one shot of the ship just looking straight down during the sinking. And I was like, that's that's cool that he even he was like, okay, we can't do it. They're the ones who can do it. Um, and if you haven't seen Light and Magic yet, James Cameron has a huge little chunk. Tr- I know that's like oxymoronical a huge little chunk huge in light magic where he talks about seeing star wars for the first time and then he's like he turns to his wife he's like i gotta quit my job and make a movie <laughs> just just he's like a that. truck driver and yep. he, he followed through and of course he's one of the biggest greatest he is the top one of the biggest grossing directors probably ever just gotta say that he, he's only made like six or seven movies yeah, which is which also really a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, and, but thanks to Star Wars, we have James Cameron and all these great movies. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah of course, yeah. Star Wars spawned so many creatives and and steered a lot of people towards doing Star Wars type stuff, working in Star Wars. John Favreau, I love the fact that he talked a, a little bit about his his um, his origin, and I've heard that story so many times where he was an usher in uh, mm. on the East Coast. And he saw Star Wars for the first time and he was like blown away. And he was ushered during Return of the Jedi. And he's talked about that, I believe, several times on um gallery and other interviews on YouTube. So that's so awesome. Yeah. And I love that they took it all the way to the volume and they have animatics to, to show you how certain things work, how they pulled it off. And then and... George Lucas comes in and he says, We were trying to build this 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a funny story the way Kathleen Kennedy told it. When he walked in, the first thing George said was, we were trying to do this 20 years ago. This is what I wanted to do. And it's so cool to be like, that's the realization. Like, this is George Lucas's. It's his legacy. This is legit his legacy. Like, he founded this company. He threw all these crazy guys and women into this into this 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 building. It was like, all right, create this. Do this. And they did it. And we're still, to this day, 
watching movies from ILM and it's it's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, man. It's it's all the adjectives. It's incredible, inspiring. It I mean it just I mean it speaks to my soul, you know? I mean it's, it's an it's, underdog story too, which is also underdog, very yeah. Story. It's an underdog story. It's, in the Van Nuys area, which you don't want to go to the Van Nuys area, but it's just, it's just great that it's. I like how they were like, we got to go to San Francisco. They're all like, poof, they all like took off because Van Nuys is uh, it's not that great. But anyways, <laughs> and Dennis Mirren, he told the story. He's like, yeah, they everyone moved up to San Francisco, and they said, hey, Dennis, do you want to move up to San Francisco? And he said, well, I I, I took a couple steps out of the Van Nuys warehouse into the parking lot and it felt like i was in hell and i asked myself do i want to leave hell yes i want to leave hell <laughs> it was like the sun setting you know they're right there near the airport is loud and he's like yeah i want to get out of here and um but anyways so yeah great 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 documentary yeah watch it i think i finished it in two days <laughs> so yeah it's 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 greatness so moving on uh, there's a report out today that allegedly. Uh oh. <laughs> Watch us on YouTube and you'll see what we're laughing about. Um, so, Andor screeners have been sent out to media folk and screening folk to watch the first two episodes. So, I put out uh, a post on um, at Stuff Pod on Twitter uh, to look out for spoilers because that might be a thing. Um, a lot of people want to spoil the show, so <laughs> yeah, like line for line. So just be wary of that. But yeah, it, it's cool that Lucasfilm Disney is doing that for Andor for the first two episodes. And um, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they did this for for Mando. They didn't do it for Mando. They didn't do it for Kenobi either. They didn't do it for Book of Boba. They did. They did not do it for Kenobi. So either either this is a first time for for Lucasfilm for for Disney, or this is not. They did it for Visions, I believe. Okay, that makes for Visions. I think that might have been the first Disney Plus Star Wars series. Is it they... because it's such a like um like a new thing? They want they want to like make sure the press is hyping it up as much. No, screeners isn't a new thing. Screeners have been around for a while since well, the no, no, I know that era. But like, but like for this, for this particular project is what I mean. Like they didn't do it for Mando, not for Book of Boba Fett. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, for the Star Wars side of entertainment, yes. But other yeah. companies do it all the oh, time. Oh yeah, they do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm just curious as to why they're doing it for Andor. Like that's my thing. Is why Andor and Visions are special, but not. Mando or Book of Boba Fett, but then again, we don't know if they they did or didn't do it for for Book of Boba Fett or Mandalorian. So, yeah, for me, this kind of tells us that they're 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 supremely confident in mm, these yeah. first two episodes, especially. And some stuff did drop. Uh, some leaks did drop about some of the um, plot points of the show, and uh, I did look over them, and it's. It's it's nothing too like massive spoilery or revolutionary. I mean, it's all when you see it, it's all commonsensical stuff. Mm, so, gotcha. I mean, it's, yeah, but and we're, yeah. we're we're already in August, so I mean, this it's gonna it's gonna be here very very quickly. We're gonna be hype getting ready for this this to happen, and I'm, I'm I am beyond excited for this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
I'm I'm getting my hype levels a little too high now for this yeah. because everything that I've seen, heard, um, the trailers. That trailer was just that Diego was Luna cool. was so excited. Tony Gilroy was <laughs> over the moon. I was like, "Is this real life?" <laughs> I was turning to you to to everyone on the podcast that was there. I was like, I was like. This is going to be like the major takeaway from this thing. And I was thinking no one's going to be talking about this because no one really knows like is, is are as in-depth on the whole backstory of Rogue One yes. with Tony Gilroy coming in and them saying he's not even a Star Wars fan, but he made a great Star Wars. He helped make a great Star Wars film. He essentially was given the keys to it and made a now a super beloved star wars film so there is somebody i know who is very close with um one of the writers of of that movie rogue one and um, i one day asked uh, have they said anything and he was like he will never talk about it it was like oh man this is like wow. nothing he's like he's never he, he he tells us i'm never gonna speak about about that so if I ever meet him one day, I think I'll I'll try to <laughs> I'll try to get it out of him and see if he'll. Tell yeah, me. that's that's very professional because mm-hmm. according to reports, like a lot of stuff like kind of went down and it got down to like eleventh hour on like what do we do about what we have, mm-hmm. um, and it's interesting because I know Gareth Edwards is a great filmmaker. It's like what happened? Was it was it like the whole thing of Maybe Gareth Edwards, I mean, the simple fact that Star Wars is so close to him that he just couldn't create something that kind of lived up to like a typical like mm. like three-act structure type film and it was becoming something that was too long. Um, because I thought back in 2015, 2016, 2017, if they were to ask me, to make a film and I'm not a filmmaker, but to be such a big fan of star Wars, I don't know if I could even like function to be on set, you know, (laughs) like I would just be like, it would be so hard to be like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm doing star Wars. I'm doing the thing. Um, focus on what you need to do to make a coherent film for the general public. You know, it's just one of those things. It's like, and I, marvel at jj that he was able to do what he did and especially for the force awakens i mean that's just mind-blowing man yeah the it's... whole world was watching that like everybody wanted to see yeah how it was going to deliver and yeah the scrutiny of the world the critics i mean he had to deliver there's no way that film couldn't be bad you know mm-hmm. and it was it was pretty good i i and... enjoy it yeah. I, I I was gonna talk about it later on about all three of them, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep going. Yeah. So yeah, we'll segue into that. So so John Boyega he oh. did a little uh, interview for on the red carpet for uh, Jordan Peele's Nope film that debuted, um, and he talked a little bit about um, how he was impressed by Obi Wan Kenobi on Disney Plus. Now, if you remember. John Boyega was asked about doing a series for Disney Plus, a feature series, a feature Star Wars series for Disney Plus. And he said, I don't want to be Disney Plus. Don't Disney Plus me. And that's right. I'm not quite sure what he exactly meant. Um, 
you could maybe think, well, maybe he thought that kind of old stereotype cliche that I want to be a film actor. I don't want to be on TV. There's mm-hmm. a separation between TV and film. Yeah. But really, when you look at today's climate, there is no separation. I watched The Gray Man on Netflix, and you have Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anna Darmus, the Russo brothers, all huge in film, and they did a TV movie, which, I mean, really technically it's not. It, it could have been a major release, but it was on Netflix. And I that's mean, the largest streaming service that exists right now. Yeah, that that, that I think that a lot has changed over the years since, since Boyega has said that and it. And it's kind of weird that he did say that because you look at McConaughey and Woody Harrelson and true detective that first season, which was godlike. Like if you've ever seen that, Oh my God, I haven't seen it yet, man. I need to watch it. Holy crap is amazing. Snikes. And then, and then you see <laughs> other, other actors and other actresses who are, are also getting on a Disney plus. And then you get even McGregor. I mean, not Disney plus, but streaming. Then you get even McGregor get on Disney plus and he's a, he's an, he is a, he's a big actor. And um, I, I I wonder if Boyega was like, okay, with the right, the right stuff, the right the right things in, in you know in place, this could be something pretty great. And one thing about that interview, they were like, did you watch Kenobi? He was like, yeah, right away as soon as it came on. He was like, I, I watched it, which means again, he's like us. He's a big fan. He the way he made it sound was he waited until it's it like twelve oh one, you know, to start streaming it. And um, and he said he really liked it. And I was again, like, like I was kind of I was like, wow, OK, he's he was I thought he would say something. But no, he, he he he's a big fan like us. He really, really liked it. Yeah. And aside from saying don't Disney plus me, he <laughs> then kind of turned back around and said, only if we can get J.J., Oscar Isaac, Daisy Ridley, Kathleen Kennedy back as a team, then I'll consider it. I'll do it. But I mean it's going to be kind of hard now to get all of them back together. Cause I know JJ's on the Warner brothers side of the house. Oscar Isaac has talked about his, him kind of moving on from star Wars. Um, Daisy Ridley, I think she's totally game for it. I think she'll yeah, be I back think- eventually. And, and the simple fact that John Boyega's character is supremely set up to be the star of something new mm-hmm. Because we all know now that he has force sensitivity. He can become that Jedi that I think a lot of fans thought we were going to get. Could, could you imagine that? If they if they did this? If they did not a Disney Plus. If they did a movie. If they did a, a Finn Star Wars story. like I would be that, totally up for I, that. I think, I, think, I think Disney would get a lot of um, a lot of praise for that. I think I think it would be something very, very special. And John Boyega himself producing it and, you know, getting this thing. I, I think I think it would be a huge success. And then Ray, you know, Daisy Ridley's character, I think would be a great cameo for that. And maybe she's, you know, not, don't put her in there, but have her be a cameo in the story about, about this young man who's slowly learning the ways of the Force and trying to help people and doing everything he can to help. You bring back Kelly Marie Tran, you know, you um, bring back. Um, oh my gosh, I forgot her name. J- uh, Jana, um, what was her name? Naomi, uh, Naomi Aki. You know, you bring, you bring her back, and I, I think, I think that would be very, very good. That would be something very special to watch. I totally agree, man. I, I think there's a story out there that would work perfectly for continuing, continuing that character's 
story into something. I would want a Disney Plus show, and you I would want them to sink show. a lot of money into it. But yeah, I mean, the popularity of Finn's character for the general public, I think he would have to be put in some type of like huge, grander story. I'm not quite sure if if Finn alone could carry like a trilogy I, or a film. I think because I mean, you look at what Solo did. Um, I mean, Han Solo, one of the biggest characters, and. But that it name Harrison Ford, but it wasn't Harrison Ford playing him though. This would actually be John Boyega playing him, right? That, that's right. the only difference. That's the only thing that I could see. But I understand what you do mean. You know, he isn't. He is John Boyega, but he's not the like. He's yeah. Not, he's not a list yet. A list yet. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. I know he's coming out a new movie this year, which apparently uh, a lot of people are already saying it's really, really great. Um, and so who knows? But I, I think this would be. Uh, thank you, thank you for agreeing with us. <laughs> And uh, Lucasfilm, if you just heard that, that we just pitched you a great story there. And, you know, and Finn doesn't even have to be fighting the, the first or the, nothing. Like, it, he could just be trying to help people against a lawless, you know, galaxy, you know. And I think I think that would be something really, really cool. Yeah, and you look at all the reactions um, to Wakanda Forever. And I had that experience going to Celebration and... um I attended the um, the Ringerverse panel, and there was a group of of black fans that were talking, and I got into it with them. I didn't fight them or anything. I I started. They started talking. I kind of said that phrase that incorrectly, but they were talking about stuff, and I like kind of joined their group, and they were talking about how there was kind of a, a huge missed opportunity to make Finn a a bigger character than what he was and what he was kind of promised in the trailers in a way, you know? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, I would definitely green like that. I mean, I would want to see Finn, John Boyega lead a star Wars property. And there's so much story that you could, I mean, he is a stormtrooper. That is his origin story. He's mm-hmm. a stormtrooper that became, that came over to the rebellion, the resistance. And then, found out that he had force sensitivity and it makes sense now how he was able to hang with Kylo Ren for that amount of time. I know we all argued that he had training in, in the, the, the first order of military for um, yeah. sanitation workers. But yeah, that was another thing too, that they were kind of upset about uh, the fact that they stuck him in sanitation. But which... well, Yeah, I know that that was kind of a slap in the, it was, it was really bad that they, they kind of were like, Oh, he's in sanitation. But if, <laughs> if, you, if you look at like, the, the books and the, the backstory he was they they do explain that he actually was a great fighter he was in the top of his class and that he did something really bad which is why he went into sanitation at still star killer mm-hmm. base he didn't start at star killer base he got kind of banished there um which is why he was like i know i know all about this place how do you know i, I was in sanitation but i think if they would have explained that a little bit better people would have been okay with it but no everybody was like oh he was in sanitation how can he fight kylo ren like, and see, that is the Star Wars dilemma. You don't know the whole story unless you explore the novels and comics. Then you get it, the story truly kind of fleshed out and a lot of key parts that are missing are yes. connected. And you see the the overall story, which does connect and make sense. Which and th- And this all goes back to George Lucas when he wrote that first Star Wars movie because there was so much he couldn't put in there that he asked them. He asked somebody to write a novel of the script and they did. They're able to go through and flesh out a lot of the stuff that was 
that he couldn't put into the movie. And every, every since then, every, every book would do that. They would kind of fill in all those little gaps. And, um, and it's just, it's just kind of unfortunate that they, some of that stuff is really, really good that you can't, you can't put in the movie because there's not enough time. And it's like, man, that's just that kind of, it's kind of a bummer. But, uh, but no, I, I, I think uh, John Boyega coming back to Star Wars would be something really, really great for, for Disney and for all of us as well to see him again. Cause he's great. He's, 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 he's amazing. I thought he was great as Finn. Yeah. And speaking of books, we have a, a book club on our Patreon. You can join Mason and Zach and they review chapters six through 10 on their last entry. And, um, they're entertaining. They, they, they have, <laughs> they drop info, they drop Easter eggs, a lot of connective tissue. I listen to nice. those guys and it's like, yeah, these, these guys are, <laughs> are fun to listen to. And of course, they're going through Brotherhood right now. Yeah. And hopefully the next book they do, uh, I'm trying to get them to do uh, Shadow of the Sith. And that book really highlights Ray's parents. You find out mm-hmm. Ray's parents' names. You get backstory on Palpatine's son. Um, so they kind of want to hear from you guys what what they should cover next. I say Shadow of the Sith, but uh, yeah, I'm for we'll that see. one too. Yeah. <laughs> That one sounds really, really good. Yeah. So the last thing I want to cover on this podcast is um, there was a little, um, not really a Q&A, but John Watts was kind of um, found <laughs> outside of his uh, hotel room at Celebration. And he was actually asked a couple questions about Skeleton Crew. And, of course, we all know by now that Skeleton Crew is going to be the most expensive star wars show to date and i think it's only behind what's the i think it's technically almost it's not close to but i think it's the second most expensive tv show in the history of tv right behind rings of power the amazon series which is which has an astronomical number behind it but john watts was asked these questions by uh, another podcaster, Christian Harloff, who has his show. He has his whole network on YouTube. He asked him, what's the show going to be about? And John Watts actually gave him answers. He said, if you take a look at, I mean, of course, this is the, the the very, very beginning stages of the show. And they haven't shot anything yet. I don't think they've cast really. But he basically said that, yeah, this is going to be the equivalent to a, a Star Wars Stranger Things show. So we were kind of like dead on with that. Um, and of course, he he said he also elaborated on that. He said, this is going to be like the Clone Wars episodes that are really dark. That's this show. So essentially, it, it's going to be a pretty dark show, apparently. And uh, they're, they're putting a lot of money behind it. And it's going to be John Watts who, who helped create the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming trilogy. And... Um, I'm getting more excited for this. And do we have a date for when this one will come out? We don't have a finite date. I think 2023, the end of 2023, like the last quarter of that year. Oh, that's um, right. We discussed this. We said this might finish. Um, this might finish 2023 for for Star Wars since Mandalorian is is coming in February. So, yeah, yeah. That's actually. So- I don't know. My mind, my imagination is going everywhere after hearing that. It's like, okay, what could the story be? But I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see 
more news that comes out about this one. Yep, we know Jude Law is going to be in it. We just don't know who the kids are going to be. And when you look at this picture, it looks like one of the kids is maybe an alien or a droid, possibly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, I'm hyped for it. I hope it's as big a hit as Skeleton Crew, or as um, Stranger Things. Mm. So, yep. Can't right. wait for that. Yeah, so 2023 is going to be a pretty big year, too. I mean, you got Mando Season 3, Ahsoka. It seems like we keep on looking to the future. It's always next year. <laughs> well, next year's going to be a big year. No, this year's going to be pretty big, too. This year, been, this year has been pretty pretty big. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, 2023 also is going to be very, very, very great. So I'm excited for 2023. Yeah, for sure. I'm just thinking about it right now. Mando, Ahsoka. I think what comes after that... I know there's something in between. We're probably getting Skeleton Crew. And of course, we were promised a, a film. But Maybe Book of Boba Fett? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there are rumors of a Book of Boba Fett Season 2 coming out. Um, but yeah, I know. Help us in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> what else is coming out? So Yeah, it's... Um, future's looking brighter. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm beyond excited for what's about to happen. And, yeah, I, and there was a rumor that Millie Bobby Brown was um, trying to audition for something in the Star Wars universe. And it's like, man, if they would have shot like five, six years ago, like a young Leia series, he would have uh, been perfect for it. But of course, been. you could play older Leia. There are pictures of her side by side where she looks a lot like a young Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. But it feels like with ILM they want to go the way of like face swapping mm-hmm. and CGI and deep Instead fakes. Of having so. an actress playing. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's, that's pretty much all the news. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about James? No, I have something else, but, uh, but uh, I think uh, I'm going to save that for our Patreon episode. Okay. It's a, it's a little teaser about the, the sequel trilogy, but, but yeah, no, nice. that was, but uh, but yes, thank you all so much for for listening. Uh, check us out on Instagram. Uh, check us out on Twitter, uh, on Facebook. Uh, we have two Facebook pages. We have a Facebook group and Facebook uh, podcast page as well. Also, check us out on uh, where are we at Twitch, on TikTok as well. And um, and please uh, check out our Patreon. We have a lot of stuff up there. Uh, we 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 were trying to upload each day and. Um, it's a lot of fun. David and I have a lot of fun doing those uh, uh, Patreon daily episodes. But um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. And uh, I guess may the force be with you. Always. Pew, pew, pew.